we are not all in the position we imagined, or at least I'm assuming some of you are not in the position you imagined a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 50 years ago. And sometimes it's because way back when we didn't pay attention to some of the signs. Well, this morning as we're continuing our series on a call to renewal and we're in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Psalm 51, for another two weeks we're going to be taking a look at this. And this morning, the focus is from verse 6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart or secret place. Truth being the key. I have, in the last several months, had more doctor visits than I've had in my entire life up until then. And uh, I'm not happy about it, but it is true. But one of the things is that after many of those visits and after procedures and after lab tests uh, ad nauseum, I will usually get either a notice that I can go online and see this report or every once in a while they will send it to me in real, on real paper, black and white. And there's always a choice to be made. Now, some of you have faced this choice. The question is, do I read it or not? Now, you don't want to admit that you might not read it, but part of the thing is, this is telling the truth, as it's known at that time, about your physical condition. Whatever it is, they tested now, part of the reason you might not read it is you don't want to feel dumb. Because there are words on there that you not only don't know how to pronounce, you go, I have no clue what that is. Or you might not want to read it because you really don't want to know. Right? We sometimes buy the old adage when it comes to our physical health that ignorance is bliss. Unfortunately, we sometimes do that with spiritual truth. Assuming that if we don't know, we can't be held accountable. But just like with those doctor's reports, if I don't read them, it's still true. If I don't go online and Google what that word means, or on WebMD, it's still true. God's word is still true. Whether you read it or not. His word is still true. Whether you believe it or not. Because every once in a while on those reports, I'll look at them and go, that's not right. I remember being with my dad and when they were first discovering that he had some heart issues and the, the cardiologist came in and said, Mr. Owens, uh, you know, here's the results, such and such. And it says, and it's obvious you've had a heart attack sometime in the past. And my dad said, no, I haven't. Doctor said, yes, you have. My dad said, no, I haven't. 
And the doctor turned and looked at me and I just shrugged my shoulders, you know, and he, and he said, well, Mr. Owens, here's the things and it shows right here that about this time you, you evidently had a heart attack. And my dad said, no, I didn't. <laughs> the doctor wasn't sure what to do because the next stuff he was going to tell my dad was based on the fact that he had had a heart attack. Here's the interesting thing. My dad did not believe it. He was convinced he had not had a heart attack, and I understand that. I said, well, Dad, let's go with what the doctor says at the moment and see what happens after that. But you know, my dad had had a heart attack whether he wanted to believe it or not. And what needed to happen needed to happen whether he believed it or not. When it comes to the truth and knowing the truth... It's the truth, whether you've read it or not. It's the truth, whether you follow it or not. It's the truth, whether you believe it or not. So why not know the truth? Why not follow the truth? Because when it comes to renewal, we have to understand this fact. We must have truth, God's truth, as the base for renewal. It's the only way we know what to renew and how to renew it. If we don't know the truth, we're not sure what to renew and we may fall for anything. So we may as well know it and we should follow it. I'm obsessed with understanding words. So when I get those medical reports, I do. I, I Google those words and understand. And then I get hung up because it says, well, this really comes from the primary root of this word and this word and this word. And an hour later, uh, you know, I've gotten to it. I try to do the same thing when I'm studying, especially preparing messages, but even for my own understanding and in that verse 6 that I read, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart or secret place. There are three words that jump out at me that I did some deep dive on. One is the word delight. That's just kind of a fun word. The English word that we pronounce delight. One of the things I discovered, and I practiced this, even looking in the mirror, is it's really hard to say the word delight with a frown on your face. Because just the way you have to form the facial muscles when you say delight, it's really hard to... I, try, I couldn't do it. Frown while I said delight. Now, somebody here might prove me wrong, and please, I don't want to see that, but... It is just a neat word, delight. But it's like, well, just because it's a neat word, so what? What is it doing in this passage? Well, I dug way back into the original language, and delight means a sense of joy. And the tense and all that stuff, and where it's used in this sentence, in this part of Scripture, is referring to a sense of joy experienced through relationships. To have joy, delight in our relationships, starting with God the Father, Christ our Savior. 
that day when I <laughs> dug down into that, I just sat back for a while and just said, how awesome to realize that God takes delight in his relationship with us. I mean, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, the God who sent his son Christ to die on the cross for your sins, my sins, to be our savior, takes delight and has joy in our relationship. That's incredible. And to realize that this delight should go both ways. The second word is that word truth because it's the powerful word and what we're focusing on in this message. And truth is it's not surprising when I dug down deep that it means factuality. Things are true. But it also means faithfulness because if something's true, it's always true. Certainty. Because if it's a fact, I can be certain this is true. But the one that got to me was it also meant trustworthiness. And I was a little confused by that at first, and then I was like, well, of course. If it's true, I can trust it. And I can trust the one who's telling me the truth. In fact, I can delight in the relationship with the one who has given me the truth. And then that last word, that elusive <laughs> concept of wisdom. I say elusive because I'm rarely accused of it. Wisdom is an interesting thing. My hair is now of a color that I used to think people that had hair this color had wisdom. And now I realize the color of your hair has nothing to do with whether you have wisdom or, or not. There are people with skin tone colored hair. Somebody got it. <laughs> that have wisdom. I've also discovered there are some pretty young ones still with full heads of hair in all kinds of colors that have wisdom. Because the wisdom being spoken of here is not of our own doing. It is a biblical wisdom that refers, don't miss this, it refers to practical skills associated with understanding and living a successful life. Biblical wisdom, biblical truth, biblical knowledge, referring to practical, applicable skills with understanding to live a successful life. One of the beauties of God's word and of following Christ is that it is not just a theory, it's for living. Biblical wisdom applies to every day. 
my prayer every week as I prepare and study and plan and present messages is that you will take the truth of God's word, sort out anything I mess up and get just to his word, but then apply it practically when you leave here. Because God's word should work, and it does if we will work it, in our homes, at our businesses, even driving in Chicago or Walmart, sometimes just as bad. It is to apply with our family and our friends and those we don't like very well. So what does truth have to do with renewal and how can we apply it? Let's take a look. I want to read the passage here in Psalm 51, beginning at verse 6 down through verse 8. It says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear gladness or joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. That's an interesting phrase we'll get to. To understand truth, how does this apply? First of all, we must have truth for the base for renewal. And to do that, we must accept God's word as truth. That truth that we are to have in our inner being, in our secret heart, secret place, in our guts, might be the more descriptive term, is God's truth. It's what's being referred to in verse 13, where the psalmist, after the confession, after calling for God to cleanse him, to blot out all sins, to wipe it away, create in him a clean heart, he then says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. God's truth. We must accept God's word as truth. To do that, first of all, we have to know it. To know it, it's best to read it or hear it personally. Not just what someone else tells you, but we need to also expose ourselves to biblical teaching. Not just teaching, biblical teaching. And we need to study it. The neat thing about the Bible is the more you read it, the more you understand it. Quite often, when I get hung up on something, I just need to read a little further and it explains it. Or back up a couple verses and go, oh, that's what's being referred to. Don't get hung up on names that you can't pronounce. Look at the concepts. Look at the principles. The truth of God's word. We need to know it. Get in it. Just read some and read it often. For me, whenever I start reading it, I just keep reading. Many of you joined the challenge we gave at the beginning of the year to try to read through the Bible in the year. Some of you already do that 
anyway, but my problem with plans to read through the Bible in a year is I always get ahead of the plan because I get into certain places and then I go, oh man, I'm ahead. And some of you are discouraged because you go, oh man, I'm behind. Just keep reading. Jody said one time she was on a five-year plan. Doesn't matter, just read it. A little or a lot at the time is not the issue, but read it. If you read it, you begin to know it. And if you know it, then you need to share it. In other words, talk with others about it. Even ask somebody, do you have any idea what this means? Or, man, I read this the other day. This was so encouraging to me. Find ways to share it and talk about it with others and tell others about it. And if you're reading it, in other words, if you know it, if you begin to share it, then you will live it. Because the truth needs to be not just known, it needs to be lived. Because it is planned biblical wisdom for practical living. Live it in everything you do, how you act and how you react toward others, how you speak and when you don't speak. True confession, I have more trouble with that one when I shouldn't speak than when I speak. If I would learn that last one better, when I speak would be better. Not because silence is golden, though it is at times. But truth is powerful by itself. We don't have to add a whole bunch to it. Secondly, we not only accept God's word as truth, we need to know it deeply. This must be your core belief. Verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. The picture, the image that's given there is not of God breaking a bone in your body, but of you being broken before God. Of repentance, of understanding that without him we're nothing. To realize that though we're nothing, he loves us and gave his son to die for us, which gives us our worth and our value. That's why the psalmist went on and said in verse 18, you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. That's the image being spoken of here in verse 8. We need to know the truth of God, his word, know it deeply. It must be your core belief that everything else comes out of that. That your decisions are based on God's truth as you know it and understand it and his will for your life. That everything that happens, you start here. As one of my good lifelong friends, at least from college on, 
said one time, he said, when I started reading this, my life changed for the better. And he said, when I really started reading this, what I did is everything that happened and came in my life, I just threw it into the Bible. And whatever came out through that filter, I did. And what didn't, I let it alone. So it is the core belief. In other words, this must shape your living. To shape your living. In other words, where you go and where you don't go. What you listen to and what you choose not to listen to. What you watch and don't watch. How you treat others. This word, God's word, the truth, hidden in our heart, being our core belief system, shapes how we live. And for that to happen, it's got to go beyond the casual. It's got to go beyond just knowing there is a verse called John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Not just a casual understanding or believing. It means in the difficult moments and with difficult people, I still live the truth. I go back to the example of my dad that I was so blessed to watch live growing up. And especially in the years of my mom's cancer and then death at age 59. And dad telling me shortly after that, my dad was a pastor for 40 plus years. He said, now I get to find out if what I've counseled other people through all my ministry is really true. All those times I counseled people who lost a mom or a spouse. About three months later, just dad and I, and I said, dad, I got a question. You said, now's your chance to find out. What have you found out? With tears in his eyes, he said, it's all true. It's not always easy, but it is true. And I can testify. 30 plus years after that event that I agree. It's true. He is who he said he is. He'll do what he said he'll do. He has provided what the word promised to provide. Jesus loves me. It's not just a little song. It's the gospel. And it's true for you. For every one of us. You are so loved. And this word declares it over and over. So loved. That in wanting to express it so that you could understand it, 
God gave his son in our place for our sins. That's how much you're loved. His name was Jeremy Kingsley. We had him come to speak to our youth at one of the churches I was pastoring. In fact, we had him a few times. One of the things I'll never forget about him was how much he talked about Jesus loving us and how much he would talk about it to people he didn't know. You know, yeah, yeah, those people, I, you know, I can't do that. No, you don't understand. I mean, I saw him at the drive through at the fast food places. When getting the order, paying the money and just saying, hey, I'm just curious. Did you know that you are passionately loved by Jesus Christ? Sometimes they just gave him his change back. Sometimes they asked him some other questions. He worked with our youth on doing things like that to share this truth. Whenever the opportunity came and to create opportunities. <laughs> I remember one of our daughters on a youth trip. They were like, let's try this. They walked up to a little snack shack. And the three of them, to have courage, went up together. <laughs> and said to the girl behind the counter, did you know you are passionately loved by Jesus Christ? Said immediately the girl started crying. She said, really? To which they hadn't planned on that reaction. <laughs> they had all three turned and looked at each other and went, yeah, really? She said, could I talk to you guys? She turned to somebody else and said, I'm taking my break. Walked out of the shack and said, I need to know more about this. See, the truth of God's love will change people's lives. That's the ultimate renewal that we're talking about. We've got to take this truth and go beyond the casual. How in the world can we be casual about that kind of love? And then, we've got to make room for this truth. We've got to make room for it. That's why in verse 9, the psalmist said, purge me with hyssop. Hyssop was a plant, and it was used sometimes in literal cleansing and often in a ceremonial or ritual cleansing ceremonies that would take place. Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. We've got to make room for it. And to make room for God's truth in our life, we must remove everything that contradicts God's truth. Anything that gets in the way, confuses, or interferes with it. We've got to go beyond just trying to add Christ and the word to our life. But to make Christ and the word what dominates our life. And to do it so much that anything that doesn't match up to his word, we just remove from our life. To stop trying to rationalize the contradiction of layering sin in with Christ. 
Because that's what we do when we just try to add him to what we're already doing. But to remove anything that contradicts it, which leads us to rejoice in the truth. To know the truth is to rejoice in it. To know you're loved is to rejoice in it because it is a result of your transformation and transformed lives. Renewed, cleaned hearts are worth celebrating. As I said earlier in the service, we need to get better at celebrating or we're not even going to enjoy heaven. Some of you need to train your face to enjoy it or you're going to hate heaven. We need to celebrate this transformation and rejoice in it because transformed lives, ours, anyone's, should result in joy and praise. Spontaneous, automatic, uncontrollable joy and praise. In fact, our praise and our joy and our rejoicing needs to get a lot less polite than it is now. Because the truth is, Jesus Christ gave his life for you and for me. That's worth celebrating. The question is, have you accepted this truth as your truth? Do you know it? Are you learning it? Are you sharing it? Maybe most important, are you living it? Not just when you show up here, but at home, in the store, in the neighborhood, when the kids cut through your yard, when their dog <clears throat> is in your yard, or the evidence of them. Now, you don't have to enjoy what they did, but you can rejoice that God is still God. Because whether it's the difficult things like my dad talked about or the mundane stuff, God is still God. And that's worth celebrating. But we can't do it if we don't know the truth. Jesus, thank you for your word that is true. Thank you for your life that gave us the example of how to live in this truth. Lord, help us to get rid of anything that is contradictory to your truth. Lord, help us to remove anything that doesn't match up. Lord, help us to not just get to know your truth better, but to live it out to share it with others so that they can see it in us and we give the answer as to why we live the way we live because of your truth. 
this week. May your truth shine through us to others. And may we celebrate your truth and its power to renew and transform lives. In Jesus' name, I pray for these things. Amen.